All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, weekly Monday show. I was going to say the What If show, but tonight we're – Anthony DeMarco and I are going to do something a little bit different given how much has changed and how much is really on the line at WrestleMania in just four weeks. Actually, a little less than four weeks now as things are rapidly approaching, but we're going to be looking at the current state of WWE, and I'm you know, really excited to talk about this because, yeah, it's not a What If, but there's so much going on and there's so much we could dive into with – with uh, Pat McAfee having a match at WrestleMania against Austin Theory and just, just so much. Brock Lesnar with the unification match and what that what, what that could mean. So, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Doing well, dude. And I think that this kind of got sparked in my head about talking about the state of the WWE. Because of the build that has been going on to WrestleMania, I feel as though that this year's WrestleMania almost has arguably the most unique builds of all time and it made me almost wonder like this year is there something different uh to the vibe of wwe as they build to wrestlemania because i feel like there is and not necessarily for the worse and not necessarily for the better yeah i guess the vibe is the i hear what you're saying and in, in the vibe i guess is something that could be interpreted different ways by different people and what I guess you look at typically of what is what you feel when WrestleMania approaches and how WWE is 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 setting their matches up and and how you feel about WrestleMania season. There have been many WrestleMania seasons, especially as of late, that I have said, man, this just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. It doesn't feel like WrestleMania. And I think a lot of that has to do with them not really caring about the buy rates because they have a million dollar or a billion dollar deal with Peacock and however many people sign up for the network, they've already got their money, so it doesn't matter. They're they're not really incentivized to to you know go completely all in and be so concerned about the buy rates uh, i think you can still buy pay-per-views by the way but in terms of subscriptions so yeah the vibe is it's a little different certainly i mean it feels extremely top heavy with roman reigns and brock lesnar i mean to the point where I'm I I don't know I I don't hate this matchup but it feels so top heavy where other WrestleManias you could point to one or two or three or even four matches that you're really looking forward to or at least feel like they are at the top of the card or at the top of WWE's priority list but maybe that's for me one of the biggest things is that they are putting absolutely every egg they have in the basket of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to the point where they're calling it the biggest WrestleMania match in history, which is actually, I'm sorry, it's laughable. It's, it's just not, um, they want it to be, and it's a marketing slogan, but I don't know. To me, that's one element of the vibe of WrestleMania. I don't hate it. It just, it does feel very different though. To me, it feels like WrestleMania is going to happen. And then WWE is going to go dormant for a few years. Like it feels like they are building this towards like a major, major payoff as if it is going to be the peak of wrestling and we're never going to reach this again. And like you said, it feels like they're putting all their eggs at the top of the uh, all their eggs in their ba- in the basket at the very top of the card and almost sacrificing the mid and lower end of the card. Like you obviously have the unification match and then the two women's matches for the respective championships on Raw and SmackDown. And then everything after that kind of feels like an afterthought. Like, I heard you talk about on your Weekend Review show about how crazy it is to think about that Drew McIntyre is pretty much in a throwaway match against Baron Corbin. We don't even know what's going on with, on with the Intercontinental Championship. Ditto for the United States Championship. You have the tag team match with the Mysterios and Logan Paul and The Miz. 
And it just feels like this entire card is built around those three matches and more specifically the Brock versus Roman match. And the way that they're making it feel is just like, this is it. This is going to be the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. And then there's no real plan beyond this WrestleMania. That's another thing to me that's kind of like making me a bit skeptical on whether or not this will turn out to be a good WrestleMania because it feels like they have no plan. And I'm talking mostly specifically about the main event here, Brock versus Roman, beyond that, uh, beyond Sunday night. Like when that match happens and plays out, it feels like they really have no idea where they're going to go afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, they they have they've done so much build for this matchup, and honestly, I mean, I have complained about it, but only for the fact that it has alienated a lot of guys that could have otherwise had a championship match at WrestleMania, namely Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens. Although Kevin Owens, who knows if Stone Cold's coming back? I mean, we'll, we'll of course see about that. I think one way or the other, or the other, if you guys have listened to me, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I think one way or the other, Kevin Owens is eating a stunner or two or three or four at WrestleMania, even if it's not in a match against Stone Cold. Stone Cold will end up dropping him and spraying him with a bunch of beer, like even if it's not in a match. But with Seth Rollins, I mean, you, you talk about some of the guys like you just mentioned with Drew McIntyre that don't have a path to WrestleMania that is significant. Seth doesn't have one at all right now. And Drew's in a, a match with Baron Corbin. Like, you know, somebody that we had said six months ago is probably going to main event uh, WrestleMania with Roman Reigns that could potentially dethrone him is now in a match with a mid-card talent that is easily beatable and one of the most predictable outcomes of all time at WrestleMania. It's it's bizarre. And Seth Rollins, who is, is and had had the, one of the best six to 12 months in his career, doesn't have anything going on at WrestleMania right now and is likely going to lose the tag team match tomorrow night or yeah, tomorrow night on raw and or rather tonight on raw. I'm losing my mind. Tonight's Monday night. He's probably going to lose that matchup, which means he doesn't have a path. Even if Kevin Owens goes on to face stone cold. So this is a bizarre, it is a weird feeling. And again, like you said at the beginning, it's not good or bad. It's just like, what, what's happening? I don't know. To answer your question, your hypothetical about the, uh, the whole what's the payoff that you feel like they're building to a payoff, they better be. To call this the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, you can't just say, tell me that's marketing. That's, to me, something that speaks volumes of what we don't know is going on. And what I have said, and if you've listened to my Week in Review, the only thing I can think of is that Roman Reigns wins, which I don't think, I'm sorry, guys, if I'm spoiling a prediction four weeks in advance, I think Roman wins that match, and he's the universal WWE heavyweight, whatever, whatever they want to call it, champion. <laughs> I mean, there's like 18 things they could call it. but So he's the unified champion. He's the undisputed champion, whatever. And then uh, I think The Rock comes out at the end and stares him down, maybe gives him a rock bottom, and they build a year out to next year's WrestleMania in L.A. like they did with John Cena and Rock where they had the year build. I think that's where they go. And, yeah, Roman doesn't have to hold the belt for a year. It could just be Rock and Roman without the belt. But I, I think maybe that's what would be, I, I think, at least maybe worthy of one of the best matches uh, at WrestleMania, even if it's not part of the match. So I, that's the only thing I can think of, because just to have Roman Reigns win the match by hook or crook, how can you tell me that's the biggest matchup of all time? It's not it's not believable. I'm sorry. And do you think they're doing it because they feel like beyond Roman and Brock and talking mostly on the on the men's side of things because i feel like on the women's side their stars are actually you know obviously prorated because there are so many more women uh, men than there are women on the roster 
but I feel like their women's roster is almost in better shape in terms of star power and like more of an even playing field. But do you feel like they're building this match between Brock and Roman as the biggest match of all time just because they're afraid that they don't have enough star power to, you know, I guess spread the wealth with all the championships and need to almost make it feel bigger than what it is? Well, that's their job all the time, to make everything feel bigger than what it is. That's the announcer's job during every match, to get talent over and make things larger than life and embellish and, and make things over-exaggerated all the time. Everything they see is the biggest deal they've ever seen, and I I get that. But to me, this is like the ultimate statement. Like you, you, you can't just say this is the biggest WrestleMania match of all time ahead of time. Well, how do you know that? What if the match sucks? Like, what if the match is, you know, ends in five minutes? How do you know ahead of time that that's going to be the outcome of the match? It's like telling me the conclusion without t- showing me the journey. It's it, I don't like that kind of marketing for that reason that it's the biggest match of all. Well, no, 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 it's not. I don't care. I don't care if they called it career versus streak or something like that because fine, that's actually what's what it is. But you, that's like telling me the outcome before you show me what's actually going to happen. I do not like this at all. I know people have said, that's just a marketing. You don't understand it's marketing. No, I understand what it is, but I don't like it because it's, to me, an exposure of the business and it, it I think, is a an insult to Rock Austin, Hogan Andre. I mean, go down the list. Angle HBK at WrestleMania. I mean, like so many. HBK Taker at 25. Uh, so, it's you cannot tell me it's bigger than those matchups and it won't be better than the quality of those matchups. I'm sorry. It's not going to be. It's impossible. So I don't know. I, I don't know why I have such a big problem with this. Um, I, I don't know even know if I answered your question. I just have such a problem with it and being named the biggest matchup of all time. So did I answer your question? Anthony? probably not. <laughs> no, it, uh, it, it does. It checks out because they are trying to always outdo themselves and I understand it. And the only thing with me that kind of bothers me, but at the same time, I understand why they're doing it, is that it does feel like, and we could rewind to, you know, the last three, four years of you playing this clip at the in your old intro for the show, is all leads road, lead, all roads lead to Roman Reigns, easy enough for me to say. And it feels like this time around, all roads lead to getting him over as a legitimate star in the history of the business. I feel like they want to legitimize and cement Roman Reigns as the same tier or in the same tier as Brock, as Triple H, as HBK. I'm not saying Rock or Austin just because I don't know if that's ever attainable, but I think they are doing everything humanly possible to get Roman Reigns into that stratosphere. And to be honest, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think over the last 18 months or so, Roman Reigns has arguably done enough to already put himself in that category. I think that aside from Brock Lesnar and aside from any part-timer who may or may not come back from time to time, whether that be Triple H if here comes back or John Cena or whatnot, I think Roman Reigns is head and shoulders above probably the rest of the roster, save for maybe Seth Rollins at times when he's used properly. But I still feel that it is blatantly transparent and obvious what they're trying to do here. And you've said it numerous times. You've said it earlier in the show. Uh, You believe that Roman Reigns is going to win. I believe Roman Reigns is going to win. And I think it it is for no reason than other to be like, well, he won the biggest match of all time in a unification match against Brock Lesnar. And again, while I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because I think Roman Reigns has arguably already put himself in that conversation, 
it still just kind of hurt the entire vibe of the match when it's so blatantly transparent what they're doing. And they set the bar so stupidly high for this match, now that you're calling it the biggest match, WrestleMania match of all time, that it, you know that they have set themselves up for failure because now, if it's anything but that, then it's, fans are going to be disappointed. The problem is they've also put a, a marketing slogan. They, they've used an, a, a subjective uh, determination for a marketing slogan for this matchup. So, if, in other words, if you have a bunch of fans that watch matches, everyone's going to have a different opinion on what the match is and how they feel about it. Some may rate it a five-star, two-star, three-star, one-star. But you can't tell people ahead of time to think a certain way. It's like you need to view this as the biggest matchup of all time at WrestleMania, which is essentially telling us it's the biggest matchup of all time because WrestleMania is the biggest pay-per-view of all time. So that if you have the biggest match at the biggest pay-per-view, then this is the biggest match they've ever had in the history of their existence. It's just it's so absurd. You can't tell me it's bigger than Ric Flair retiring at, at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. The I'm sorry, I love you moment. I mean, things like that. You, you, it's just absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and it's it's preposterous and it's insulting. And it's an exposure of the business. So I know, I'll get off this whole thing, but I just I do not like when that this whole thing is being billed as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. You guys can say, ah, it's just marketing. And fine, you view it that way, you view it that way. But, um, you know, kind of going back to reality here, going back to Roman and Brock, to me, that this has to be a big payoff. Other than somebody just standing there as champion, which can't be Brock Lesnar. I don't see that any possible way that this ends in Brock Lesnar as champion, because it shouldn't. And as much as I want to see Roman get knocked off his perch... How much more heat would he have if he's now a double unified champion, right? Like, if the, not only does his streak not end, it continues with another championship. So, I mean, I, I think that the, the uh, Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania crowd is going to bury him in Dallas because it's obviously again in Dallas the next night. It's going to be fun because I just hope they have a big payoff. And if it's The Rock maybe coming out Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, um, then fine. I do believe it's going to be The Rock in some capacity to have a long run or a long promotion with Roman building to an ultimate match, maybe at next year's WrestleMania. But uh, my question to you is, you know, if – not if, but when they have a unified champion, presumably it's Roman Reigns, how do you think they do this? Because do you think that they have Roman on both shows? Do you think that they have Roman on SmackDown, but then they create another championship on Raw for another top belt? They just invent one again out of thin air like they did with the Universal Championship. How do you think they manage this with the brand split? Well, this is where I'm a bit confused, right? Because I've heard that they don't want to have one sole world champion. If I'm not mistaken, is that right? That Fox and USA yep. want their own respective world champ? Yep. So, like, I would assume what they're going to do is call it a unification match. But then once it's all said and done, just take the Becky Lynch approach from WrestleMania 35. She holds both championships when, or when she did hold both championships up until I believe it was the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and then ultimately dropped the SmackDown championship. I think that's probably what ends up happening here. And until that time, you have Roman Reigns pulling double duty. I mean, if they were to invent another world championship out of thin air or something we talked about a few weeks back, I think that would just further kind of like bring down the value of these world titles that they just seem to create of thin air once every 10 years or so. But, I mean, I think what would ultimately happen is you would have Roman Reigns pulling double duty, probably one week he's only on Raw, one week he's only on SmackDown. And that's the kind of part where I say to myself, like, 
if they go through with this and they only have one world champion for the foreseeable future, it just feels like WWE will peak at WrestleMania and then it will eventually or if not immediately start to decline following it. Because how are you supposed to have Roman Reigns carrying both shows right now? And I think that even SmackDown, since they reshuffled the the rosters back in the fall, has kind of taken a hit. They sacrificed kind of the depth over on SmackDown. And now all you really have over there, aside from, let's say, the tag team division at times or Sami Zayn being a good comedic act, you're tuning into SmackDown to watch Roman Reigns and by extension Brock Lesnar. But if Brock Lesnar, assumingly, goes back to Saskatchewan for a few months in a, on a hiatus following WrestleMania, as he so often does, and you have Roman Reigns being an attraction on both shows, is SmackDown not going to take a hit? Like, this is a recurring theme with Raw and SmackDown, that whenever you start to blur the lines between them, and you start to have, like, the best of both worlds on both shows... SmackDown just organically becomes the B-show. Like, we talked about this at length. If I'm not sure if it was the last time we recorded or the time before that, that that dark era of SmackDown between, let's say, 2009 right up until 2016 until they brought back the hard brand split. So, I mean, I would assume that at least in the immediate future they would have one world champion of Roman Reigns, and my fear is that you would have SmackDown become quickly irrelevant. SmackDown, yeah, you're right. It's had a habit of just going by the wayside. It is forever the B show. I understand that with Roman over the last year and a half, it has been a almost must see TV at times, and he has carried the show. And, you know, not to say he hasn't had a lot of help, but it's been the Roman Reigns show, and he's done an excellent job. And I, I've enjoyed SmackDown generally. It's also an hour shorter, which certainly helps. But yeah, I think that given the fact that Brock will likely go into hibernation again following WrestleMania, that you know you have Roman Reigns there who will be, I think, doing double duty. And I just don't see any other way of Roman, Roman Reigns winning this match because you also open up an entire roster for Roman to work with. Because if it's Roman still on SmackDown, it, the, the draft isn't happening until September, October. That means he's got another six months that he has to work with people that he's already worked with. How many times are you going to recycle programs and feuds? You know, so this to me would it opens up the entire WWE roster to Roman Reigns to work with. I think that's exactly the purpose of this match is to get to Roman to be able to work with everyone. And that's the biggest advantage they have is if he's double champion, if he's the unified champion and he can float and do whatever he wants and he's doing double duty, then he has all of Raw and all of SmackDown that he can work with with no restrictions. The draft doesn't apply to him. Uh, and I think that's that's a good thing because we finally get to see programs maybe like Randy Orton and, and Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, uh, eventually, yes, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins again and Roman Reigns. They have unfinished business. So there's there's many people that he can work with, maybe Riddle and Roman Reigns. Hell, I mean, there, there's some great matchups, and I think it's a perfect way to get them to Roman being able to do what he wants to do on both shows. So that's one big advantage that I will say, as much as I'm not a big fan of this unification nonsense because it alienates so many guys on Raw that could have a WrestleMania moment in a championship match. You do allow Roman to be able to work with anyone, and I, that is a positive. Well, that's another thing I wanted to get to. Like, a guy like Drew McIntyre, like, I was of the firm belief that he was going to be the one that, if it was not going to be The Rock at this year's WrestleMania, he was going to be the guy to face Roman Reigns. And I thought that he would probably be the one 
to take it off of Roman Reigns, the Universal Championship. I thought when he went to SmackDown, and they've kept them completely apart for the, what, five months that Drew has been on SmackDown, I thought for sure that's where they were heading with it. And it would have made sense, right? Because Drew, much like Roman, has a lot of runway left. He's not at all in the same, um, I guess, uh, stratosphere as Brock Lesnar in terms of being a part-time competitor. And I felt like it would have been masterful long-term booking since their match at Survivor Series in 2020. And now you look at Drew McIntyre, and this is no slight against Baron Corbin and uh, Madcap Moss. I think that program has over-delivered, if we're being honest. But I just feel like Drew McIntyre is a guy that they did a masterful job building in late 2019 and all through the pandemic era. And now they're just relegating him back to, like, a mid-card guy, not even feuding for a championship. Like, even if it was, like, for the Intercontinental or something along those lines, but just in a in a personal feud with a kind of, like, mid-card-level jokester heels. Like, do you think they're doing unrepairable da- damage to Drew McIntyre in terms of being a true competitor to Roman Reigns? No. Actually, I think the exact opposite. And the reason is, as much as you, you just you know, talked about some frustration with Drew McIntyre in the mid-card, and I am very surprised at where he's at, too, and I'm a bit disappointed, yes, that he's not in the main event, and that he's not the one to take the belt off Roman, at least not yet at WrestleMania anyway. They are, they're doing, actually, I think, repair on Drew McIntyre. It's weird, because, yeah, he's in the mid-card, and you would think, wow, that really shows what they think of Drew. He's in the mid-card with a guy that's easily beatable. That could really be a house show main event, much less a, you know, a, a match on WrestleMania against Corbin that we all know Drew's going to win. I mean, there's just almost no way that he could lose this match. Um, now, if he loses that match clean, maybe I'll have a different uh, answer here. But as it stands right now, I think they're actually doing repair because Drew, if we remember back, was at the point of getting nause- just absolutely nauseated that he's constantly in the, in the WWE title picture. I mean, he was like the only one that seemed to care about the WWE championship. And he was constantly, after he lost it, challenging Bobby Lashley or challenging whoever, like just constantly in it, constantly in it. We were getting tired of it, and the fans started to get a little restless. There were some moves at some point where the fans were just like, all right, Drew, enough. Get the hell out of the WWE title picture. And he finally did. And he went to SmackDown, and we all believe that that would be the best thing for him. And I think it has proven to be so because it's taking him out of that out of that world, and it makes you now start to turn the road, turn the um, turn the map the other to the other side and go, huh? Wait a minute. Now I kind of want to see him back in the title picture to cha- challenge Roman Reigns. So it builds anticipation, and you don't feel like he's being overexposed in the title picture anymore because he hasn't been used in the title picture in like six months. Or more. So to me, it's actually, strangely, something that is good for his career in the long run because fans right now are, are fully in support of him. You don't hear any kind of in-between reaction. It's strongly positive for Drew. And seeing him kick the heads off people is still always fun. He's, he's, he's still a solid character. And I think it's doing more good than harm, even though you look at the card and go, wow, this is, this is insulting to Drew McIntyre. So that, that's how I feel about it. You know, now that you break it down, it makes a lot of sense. I just thought that, like, in the interim, they could have maybe done something with Drew that's a bit more significant. Like, not in the sense that he has to be challenging in the main event or something like that. It's just, like, it has been so long since Drew McIntyre had a match that felt truly worthwhile that I feel bad. Like, even going back to SummerSlam of last year, like, I remember he had a one-on-one match with Jinder Mahal. 
Like, I can't remember who he fought in Saudi Arabia, but uh, it's been a long time since he had a significant match. Like, for whatever reason, if it wasn't against Roman Reigns, like, I really thought that it was going to be him versus John Cena at this year's WrestleMania. I thought that would have made a ton, ton of sense, but I guess John Cena just isn't available for this year's WrestleMania. And, again, I agree with everything that you're saying. I just feel that Drew McIntyre is at least worthy of a more worthwhile feud or match at WrestleMania than against Baron Corbin. Again, that's no disrespect to Baron Corbin. And like I said, I think that program has overachieved and then some. But it's just like, maybe it's just been like a culmination of things with Drew. And again, this isn't me saying that I want him like firmly in the championship picture. Because for all the reasons you just outlined, I think this is a means to an end here. I just feel as though like there you could have done something better with Drew in the interim while simultaneously keeping out of the world championship scene. Yeah, I understand that. You know, he is in a like you said, I hate to say it, but it is a meaningless program because it feels like he has beaten these two clean for months on end. I mean, he eliminated them both from the Royal Rumble. He's beaten Mad Cat Moss how many times? He's already, uh, you know, Claymore, Drew Mac or uh, Claymore, uh, Baron Corbin a couple of times. So I just. I don't know. I, I just feel like I've already seen the payoff and I've already seen like, okay, I've, I've gotten what I want to see. He got what he, you know, we got what we came for to see McIntyre demolish these two and he has on multiple occasions. So it feels like they've, they've already paid it off and now we get to see it again at WrestleMania. I don't hate it, but like you said, they could have done something more significant in a program that fans care a little bit more about, but to that end, like you just said, they did make, they did make this program and, Maybe not them in terms of creative, but the, the talent themselves, Mad Cat Moss, Drew, and Corbin have over-delivered and gone as far as they can go and just said, you know what, this isn't ideal for me, at least especially for Drew at WrestleMania, but I'm going to go and make the best of this. And I think that's the attitude he's gone in with, and I applaud that. And for Corbin, this is the biggest match Corbin's ever had. So while we're looking at it from Drew McIntyre's perspective as like, wow, this is kind of a step down a little bit. From Corbin's perspective, this is like his magic moment. I mean, this is the biggest match Corbin's ever had at WrestleMania. I know he had a match against Kurt Angle, but that was a shell of the man. I'm not counting that matchup. We all know it should have been John Cena against Kurt Angle a couple of years ago. But I'm talking about quality matchup. This is in biggest name. This to me, or for for Corbin, if I'm if I'm Baron Corbin, I'm ecstatic. I mean, hell, you're you're having a match with the guy that main evented WrestleMania and beat Brock Lesnar a couple of years ago. This, I mean, this is this is great, right? So there's also that perspective. Yeah, and that's another thing that I wonder because, like, obviously we've talked about the harm that it's caused um, having these two championships involved in the one single match with Roman and Brock. But on another way to look at it, do you think it's almost helped give guys more of an opportunity because it's just like, okay, on the men's side of things, you have Roman and Brock. And then after that, everyone's on an even playing field because so many years we had like the multiple main events. Like it feels like they always had three main events. Like I remember WrestleMania 28, you had the once in a lifetime match of John Cena versus Rock. You had the end of an era, Triple H versus Taker inside the steel cage. And then you had the WWE championship match of Jericho versus CM Punk. Like, it seemed like WWE was on a roll there where they always tried to present, like, three matches as, like, the co-main events, and then everyone after that was kind of meaningless. As opposed to this year, you have the bona fide main event, and again, on the men's side of things, because the women have their own two big matches in their own right. But on the men's side of things, you have the big match with Roman and Brock, 
And then after that, it's like, take your pick on who you think is the second most important match. Like you have Drew versus Baron Corbin, which to your point is a big opportunity for Baron Corbin. You have Edge versus AJ Styles, which I think is probably going to be match of the night if we're being honest. You have the tag team match of the Mysterios versus Logan Paul and whatnot. Like for me, like I feel that there is a big opportunity here for one of these matches to really step up and blow the doors off the place. And for a guy like Baron Corbin, maybe this is an opportunity he needs because I feel like he has yet to hit his full ceiling in the WWE. So I guess maybe that could be an underlying positive that we're not realizing yet. It could be. You know, I mean, like you said, you you take your pick after those two main events. I mean, you have Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, which I think that, that I believe that is going to be the main event of Saturday Night WrestleMania, as they're calling it, um, not Night One, but rather Saturday WrestleMania. So I believe that is going to close that first night, and then Roman and Brock are obviously going to be closing the second night. To me, look, I mean, I, we can have this debate too, and I'm not looking for that debate, but people have said, oh, there's more than one main event. There's always only one main event. That's why it's not a plural term. To me, it's a singular term. There is one main event, period. And that is always the final match of the pay-per-view, or in this case, the premium live event. And so to me, while there are semi-main events, and there's many of them, there's one main event, and that's, to me, Brock and Roman. Um, they'll try to sell you on the fact, oh, there's multiple main events. You're trying to create a, a, a plural term out of a singular one. But anyway, I'm splitting hairs. The fact of the matter is Roman and Brock's number one in terms of the the order, pecking order of things. And you have Ronda Rousey, and you have Charlotte. That's number two, which uh, has the potential to be really good, but I don't think it's going to be a blockbuster match. I really don't, because Ronda Rousey is got a very unique style and i don't think it's going to placate to charlotte very well i think it's going to be a fine match but i don't think it's going to match of the night as you said aj styles and edge is going to has the potential if given enough time i hope they don't limit them to 10 minutes if they have 15 20 minutes it's going to blow the roof off the place and i expect an extremely good match and then you have the uh the, you have the potential of stone cold and kevin owens which if that happens if that happens i don't expect a great match i just expect kind of the greatest hits from stone cold and um you know probably a, a 10 minute you know lube bench press and you know the bionic elbow and you know uh obviously a few stunners and all that kind of stuff but i, I don't expect a long match with those two if it happens of course um, but then you have Pat McAfee and and uh, Austin Theory. I mean, so I, I got to ask you about that. I know I'm shifting gears here, but in the interest of time, what in what universe is this a good idea to have an announcer come in and face Austin Theory? And Austin Theory is a guy that I think has, yeah, he's gotten the rub from Vince, but I not, I don't think in a good way. Honestly, like people don't react to Austin Theory that well. They they, they boo him, but. Kind of in a way that's just like you're you're not as big of a star as you, you think you are, or we're telling WWE you're not the guy that we chose. It's almost like they're playing the Roman Reigns storyline, but in real time and being ex very very transparent about it about Vince picking a singular guy and saying this is my guy and where he came up with Austin Theory out of all people, I have no clue. Um, but why Austin Theory is facing Pat McAfee? What do what do you think about that matchup that's getting such big you know headlines all over the place? It's all of the Pat McAfee show. What do you think? You see, this is an example of me thinking that they're just throwing everything at the wall, trying to make it the biggest, you know, pay-per-view or premium live event of all time with no clear-cut plan following that, like the following night. Because this, to me, is them just to get as many views as possible, get as many purchases as possible, the most eyes on the product as possible, and then 
when it's done, well, we'll kick that can down the road and deal with it later. Oh, it makes no sense. Oh, well, it won't matter because in the moment it will be a big payoff. And you know what? It probably will be. But that's the same reason why they're putting two world championships in the same match. That's the same reason why they have Logan Paul fighting in a tag team match. Same reason why they have Johnny Knoxville in a collision course with Sami Zayn. And that's the reason why you have Pat McAfee in the ring with a guy like Austin Theory. Specifically, Austin Theory, I think Vince just likes him. I think Vince sees potential in him. But I do think they're doing more harm than good because you're just throwing him in these... I don't even if you want to say this is a gimmick match, but it kind of feels like this in a match where he's going to kind of get the popularity rub from a guy like Pat McAfee in addition to what he's gotten from Vince McMahon. Like, it's not like they're booking Austin Theory properly. It's like they're just putting him with guys who have been very popular in the past and hoping to get him over that way. Like, almost counterintuitive. Like, it seems like a fast track to get someone resented from the fans. But again, this is a match that is kind of like a microcosm of, of how I feel about this entire WrestleMania, that they are just doing everything they can for no rhyme or reason with just the one goal of getting as many views on the product as humanly possible. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if there's no long-term out booking, even if there's no like ultimate destination beyond WrestleMania, all they want to do is make this feel like the biggest pay-per-view or premium live event in the moment. And by getting all these mainstream level stars, which Pat McAfee is, like he touches like several different parts of the world, whether it be pop culture or sports or wrestling or what have you, he will get eyes on the product. Him being in the ring will get eyes on the product. And for me, it just as, let's say, I guess, of more a hardcore wrestling fan and watcher, it just makes me resent it because I'm going to go in and when this match comes on, this is going to be a bathroom break for me. And that's why that in a lot of ways, I feel like this WrestleMania is just about trying to make it feel bigger than what it is, because you know that there's no real depth to any of these matches. You know, there's no long term outlook to any of these matches. And it's pretty much just what you see is what you get. It's almost like WrestleMania has become like a, a seven hour infomercial for itself because yeah. it's it, you're right. You know, like that's why if it wasn't, why are you splitting? Why does this I'll just call it pay-per-view because I'm still going to call it that. It feels better. Why does this pay-per-view have to be split into two nights? Like, like, doesn't that tell you something when it needs to be split into two nights that maybe you have too much damn content on the on the on the show and that fans have been complaining for years that seven hour shows suck really like I don't care how much you love wrestling you are tapped out between traveling there uh, you know obviously all the money you spend getting to the arena getting through security uh, spending all the money the, your arm and a leg then going through the pre-shows, then the actual event, then trying to get the hell out of there. Like By the time you're done, it's like a 12-hour event, and you are spent, and God forbid you have kids or something with you. And yet now they're splitting it into two nights. So that should tell you something of the fact that you have an event that is so damn big that you've made big, not because the fans want it to be, but because you want it to be that big that you have to split it into two nights because fans are tired of it being an eight-hour event. But at the same time, Shouldn't WrestleMania be what it originally was intended to be, which is an event for the showcase of the immortals, for the best of the best only? And instead, it's actually become the opposite, where now it's not only marketing for itself for marketing's sake, but it's also become a everyone gets a jersey event, 
where everybody who's on the roster seemingly in one way or another, whether it's through a battle royal or some run in or a backstage segment, gets on the show. And it's actually now become the complete opposite of what it's intended to be at, at the Super Bowl or at the World Series or what, whatever, uh, you know, the, the final event of the sporting event that you watched. Do they have all teams there to, to, to participate? No, they have the best of the best, the final two teams going at it. And that same logic is now lost on WrestleMania. And instead, they've brought in celebrities. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, bring in Pat McAfee in a match because he's got a million or 500 million uh, views on YouTube or whatever he does. And he's got a great show. Don't, you know, I'm not racking on him. He's, he's an awesome talent. But my point is, WrestleMania has lost its own identity, and it's kind of fed on itself. It's it like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy with WrestleMania. They they use that brand name to tell you it's the showcase of the Immortals, it's the best of the best, and yet everyone gets to be on the show now. And I think it's 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 a bad way to market when people look at the show and go, yeah, this is like this is match number eight of sixteen. So hang on to your hat. I mean, it, it, to me, I don't know. I'm gonna go rent, but that, that's what I think. Yeah, it's it just feels like there's no more depth to any of these matches anymore. Like even with Roman and Brock, like I I will say that Roman and Brock, I'll give them credit because it's kind of been like extreme long term booking here. Like this is going all the way back to SummerSlam, so I will give them credit on that. But even with Roman and Brock, like you're kind of just force feeding something we've already seen like, I don't know, four or five times. You know, if you count the shows in Saudi Arabia and you count the times that they've clashed at SummerSlam, like how many times have we seen Brock and Roman main event a pay-per-view? Like just off the top of I think you're right. I think you're right. It's got to be – probably is four or five times. WrestleMania, this will be their third time at WrestleMania. And people always say, well, Rock and Austin went three times at WrestleMania. I would say, yeah, but people wanted that. People asked for that. People begged for that. And it never got old. Rock and and Roman, you look at them and, yeah, they have good chemistry, but no one was on their knees begging and pleading, Vince McMahon, please do, you know, Brock Roman three at WrestleMania. Nobody. I'm sorry. Nobody was asking for that. You know, but I don't know. But the one thing about Rock and Austin and – this is aside from the um, the the tribute to the troop show following 9/11 on SmackDown, where Rock and Austin had the dark match after uh, SmackDown had went off the air, or I don't even know if that that wasn't tribute to the troops, but you remember that um, that SmackDown I'm talking about, like right after following 9/11. Uh, what happened? At, what happened during the match? Well, like they, they didn't. It was a dark match where like Vince ran. Smackdown in Dallas a few days after 9-11, and then it's kind of like a tribute. I think I lost you. Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin ever had a one-on-one match at a pay-per-view aside from WrestleMania. And that's why it felt big, and that's why when you went back for round three in 2003, people wanted it just as much as the two times before, because it felt special. It's not like The Rock and Austin fought at WrestleMania 15, then fought at the Royal Rumble in SummerSlam 2000, then fought at WrestleMania 17 in 2001, and then fought at Backlash in 2002. Like, you know what I mean? Like... It wasn't watered down. It was like, if you were going to get these two guys, it was going to be on the grandest stage of them all. And if not, like, 
even off the top of my head, like it's almost as if they didn't even cross paths unless it was building towards a WrestleMania match. Like now that I'm thinking of it, can you think of the rock and Austin having a match or a program aside from the intercontinental championship before they were both main eventers in 1997? But once they both hit the main event, could you think of them ever having a program or a match that just led to like, you know, B level pay-per-view X? No, no. I mean, no, I, I, I lived through it. I lived for I breathed, lived and breathed for every moment of that. And the answer is no, no, I haven't. And I think that's what made rock and Austin feel so damn special because WWE indirectly told us like, you're only going to get these two when it's worthy of it. And what's worthy of it is WrestleMania. But with Brock and Roman Reigns from, let's say, 2015 until the present day, it was almost like you would get them on a collision course with one another at least once a year. Like, in 2018, I feel like they main-evented three pay-per-views. You had WrestleMania 32, you had the greatest Royal Rumble of all time, and then you had SummerSlam in 2018. And I think there may have been one more in there as well. And then along the way, you had the main event SummerSlam 2017, albeit in a fatal four-way match, which included Braun Strowman and um, Samoa Joe. You had the main event WrestleMania 31. You had the main event, uh, the the Crown Jewel pay-per-view just this past October. Like, we've seen it so many times over the last five or six years, if not a bit longer, that it just feels watered down and it makes you feel like, well, if we get it at in Saudi Arabia and we get it at SummerSlam, why is it supposed to be feel special at a WrestleMania for the third time? That's just the way I kind of think about it. Yeah. I mean, the more you get it, the more it's devalued. I mean, that's, that's true for anything and everyone. I mean, the more that it, something exists, the more you get it, the less special it feels. And I will amend my previous statement. I do remember one match that Austin and Rock had that wasn't WrestleMania, but it was Backlash immediately following WrestleMania that they didn't call WrestleMania Backlash back then because we knew what it was. Uh, it's Backlash following WrestleMania 15 where Austin wanted his, um, he wanted his smoking skull belt back and Vince, wouldn't give it to him and he had to fight for his smoking skull belt that the rock held um and even though he wasn't champion he held that belt hostage so at backlash austin beat the rock and then gained his smoking skull championship back so that's really that's the only thing that i can remember outside of wrestlemania that those two clashed but it was right at wrestlemania and then the the follow-up pay-per-view was backlash which um was i believe shane mcmahon was referee and all that but anyway um so yeah i mean this doesn't feel it feels the only thing I'll say is that both characters do feel a little bit different, given that Roman Reigns is now a heel and it, that's that's where he should be. Brock Lesnar is kind of a, a different version of himself. He's a little bit more just loose and no Paul Heyman for his mouthpiece and all that, you know, and so. It's funny. Also, you mentioned extreme long-term booking, which is hilarious given that it's only six months. I mean, it's from SummerSlam. That's, I mean, to me, like long-term booking should be 12 months out. To me, that's just like kind of short to mid-range booking. But WWE can't see the hand in front of their face at times, so it's actually quite amazing. And 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 your term is accurate given the perspective that WWE can't even figure out what they're doing that night, much less from SummerSlam to Mania at times. But uh, anyway, I don't mean to cut this conversation short. Short, but uh you know uh you know dadhood calls here but uh anyway so yeah anything else before we close things out 
No, I think we covered everything. Like it was cool. just, and it just felt good to get these things off my chest. <laughs> no, it did, and and I agree. You and I talk about so many things that has haven't happened or might happen that we very rarely talk about what is happening. So I agree. It was fun to talk about, and there's so much more, guys. We we barely even touched on the women's division. Maybe we could do like a part two to this next week or something. Um, but we do just so you guys know what's in in the shoot here. Uh, the next what if we do, if it's not next week, uh, it's going to be what if COVID never happened. So that's going to be as a little bit of a teaser what the WWE product may look like, what the differences may be, have been if uh, COVID didn't exist and the pandemic era never existed and how things would have shaped out. So that's eventually coming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't even touch on like half of this stuff. It's so hard to do, but maybe we'll do a part two next week. Yeah, man, I would look forward to that. All right. Well, uh, guys, you can catch Anthony DeMarco on the WWE Rivalries that he drops every single Friday. And uh, let everyone know what your Twitter is. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adamarco25. Very good. Awesome. Well, it, it, this has been a blast, buddy. I will uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, man. Take it easy. You too. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time